It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The New York Giants are 5-1. and one. How far could they go? The Yankees forced Game 5 of the ALDS versus the Guardians. Plus, is Rocky top back? The answer is yes. Heading into the London game last week, there were questions on if the 3-1 New York Giants were for real. Since then, they beat the Packers and they beat the Ravens on Sunday. That Packers win, maybe not quite so impressive after the Jets Put it on Green Bay on Sunday, but the Giants, every bit of five and one after they take down the Baltimore Ravens 24 to 20. Joining me now from Locked On Giants, Patricia Trena. And Patricia, this is a game in which Saquon Barkley averaged under four yards a carry. The Giants' leading receiver was Daniel Bellinger, and the Giants won the game. How did they do it? They didn't use smoke and mirrors. What they did was they did not beat themselves, mm. which is what the Giants have done for years. For example, you look at the penalties. The Giants only had three penalties all game long. The Ravens had 10. And of those 10 penalties, you saw false starts. You saw unsportsmanlike conducts. You saw too many guys on the field. You saw discipline-related penalties. So you you also saw the Giants bounce back when something wrong went wrong. Uh, rather than sit there and dwell or have doubts about themselves, they came back. And they came out swinging. So this is a team that is learning how to win by not beating themselves, overcoming their shortcomings, and taking advantage of the opportunities that are presented to them. And it has paid off for them so far in the form of the 5-1 and one season that they're currently enjoying. This is the second straight game where, in the second half, they have come alive. 17 points in the second half in this one. 17 of their 24, including 14 in the fourth quarter. They did the same thing, flipped the script on the Packers in London. What is it about this team that keeps them in these games and then allows them to turn it on when it really matters in the fourth? They adjust. I mean, a lot of coaches downplay adjusting, but there are adjustments made. You know, you go in with a game plan and sometimes you, you're going to feel out, especially in the beginning, you're going to feel out the opponent to see what they're doing and how they're responding to what you have planned out. Because, you know, look, the best laid plans sometimes go astray. Mm -hmm. So the Giants, what they have been able to do, and this is where coaching, coaching, coaching comes in so much uh, into play. They've adjusted little things, you know, like, like, for example, the Giants in this game, they had Julian Love was the spy on Lamar Jackson. Well, that wasn't really working as well. So what did they do? They adjusted. They said, okay, Xavier McKinney, you go and you spy Lamar Jackson. And that seemed to, you know, ebb the flow, so to speak. Uh, so adjustments are key, as is the fact that, again, if something happens and, you know, the, the coaches are right there to say, hey, forget about it. And this could be good or bad. Don't get too high on something good. Don't get too low if something bad happens. Focus on what you can control, which is the next play, not what has just happened. Through six weeks, this Giants team just might be the second best team in the NFC right now that, that we have seen to this point. And, and certainly two weeks ago, I never would have thought that I would be in a position to be saying that to you. Part of that is the 49ers and the Packers and the Rams do not look like world beaters by any means. 
what what more is out there for this team? They seem like they're exploiting the margins. They're not beating themselves. As you mentioned, this was a game in which they were outgained 406 to 238, but the turnovers and the penalties were the difference. So where can they get better? What more untapped can they get to? Well, they definitely got to sew up the pass protection. Daniel Jones, I think, was sacked four times and he was hit five times. Can't be having that. Can't be having drop passes by the receivers. I think there were about three drops unofficially by my count. So you've got to you've got to fix that. Can't have missed tackles. So basically, fundamental stuff, stuff that can be cleaned up, stuff that the coaches can work with these players. Now, I've said before, and I'll say it again: this Giants team is not a complete team. It does have some holes. Imagine what it's going to be like once Joe Shane has a healthy cap situation and can address some of these holes, you know, at receiver, for example, they don't really have a number one receiver since Kenny Galladay is, you know, currently injured and hasn't really done anything. You know, what about uh cornerback? You know, they've had some injuries back there, so they've got to address that. And there are other spots that they can probably, you know, fortify the, the depth. So, you know, they're on the right track, this Giants team. They've been a pleasant surprise, um, a, a team to deal with, but they have a lot of growth that they could still do from the fundamentals to just adding, you know, more talent at certain positions. Stay up to date all year on the New York football giants by subscribing to locked on sports today and the locked on giants podcast on the odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making locked on sports today. Your first listen coming up, who will face the Astros in the ALCS this Wednesday. If you haven't tried built bar puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's great joys. And guess what? If you haven't tried the cookie dough flavor, you are missing out a little bit extra because the cookie dough chunk puff is a miracle of modern science. It really is. 160 calories, 15 grams of protein, but it's covered in 100% real chocolate cookie dough chunks in the bar. Real cookie dough chunks, but it's got that protein-infused marshmallow and I, what else do you need me to say? Protein infused marshmallow. Hello. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a built bar. Go to built.com and use the promo code locked on 15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code locked on 15. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. The Buffalo Bills and Kansas City Chiefs lived up to the hype with the Bills taking the lead with just a minute four remaining in the game. We'd seen this movie before, right? Patrick Mahomes going to lead them down the field. They're going to win. Except... Taron Johnson had other ideas. He intercepted Patrick Mahomes to seal the win for the Bills and give them sole possession of the number one seed in the AFC. In the marquee game of week six in the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs lost to the Buffalo Bills in what was a great fought game and one that is a preview of something to come. I'm Ryan Tracy from Locked On Chiefs, and this is the way that it goes sometimes. A lot of back and forth, better defensive play on the Kansas City Chiefs side than we expected, maybe not. What we expected from the Buffalo Bills, they turned over the ball too much and more so than the Bills did 
And that's what leads to the ball game. Two inopportune interceptions from Patrick Mahomes couldn't balance out the one uh, play that was ruled as a fumble from Josh Allen. And in the end, that proved to be the difference. There was a missed field goal as well. This could have been a one-point game in the opposite direction as well. When it comes down to it, these are the two best teams in the AFC, and they will meet again come January. You can hear all about it on Locked On Chiefs, your team every day. The Minnesota Vikings are sitting at 5-1 and one after Sunday's win against the Miami Dolphins. The Vikings are in first place in the NFC North heading into their bye week. Don't look now, but the Vikings are 5-1. and one. <laughs> Vikings beat the Dolphins 24-16 to in Miami. Dolphins dealing with all sorts of quarterback issues. Skylar Thompson meant to start this game. They had to go to Teddy Bridgewater with an injury earlier in the game. So Dolphins dealing with a lot of issues, and the Vikings dealt with a lot of their own issues, issues of their own making as well. Um, the Dolphins really moved the ball on the Vikings. Tyreek Hill goes over 100 yards, um, but penalties or sacks or missed field goals, what have you. The Dolphins just couldn't cash in, and there were a lot more opportunities for points here. That said, some of those turnovers are earned. The Vikings get a couple of interceptions on a tipped ball, like tip drill thing. Patrick Peterson makes a fantastic interception on Teddy Bridgewater, a forced fumble from uh, Harrison Smith on what would have been a third down conversion, which I, like kind of perfectly encapsulates the game. You let them go all the way down the field on you, but you made the play at the end. And the Vikings had to make 14 stops in this game. There are 14 Dolphins possessions. Holding them to 16 points on that is impressive no matter how you slice it. On the other side of the ball, though, absolute horror show on offense. The Vikings had two touchdown drives, 10 three and outs. 10 three and outs on 14 possessions. So many possessions where they just punted it right back to the Dolphins. Really, really bad performance, particularly in the run game, which kept them behind the chains. We talked about that on the postcast with Sam Ekstrom. Um, but ultimately an explosive uh, runaway touchdown by Dalvin Cook, and those two touchdown drives were enough, as well as one field goal from uh, a, a short field drive. So Vikings win. No matter how you slice it, you can't take away that they won. Five and one, two-game lead in the division as the Packers lost to the Jets today, and uh, they go into their bye in about as good a spot as you can ask for. For more on all this, you can find the Locked On Vikings podcast, all part of the Locked On Podcast Network, free and available on all platforms. The Golden State Warriors continue to be in the news, but this time it's for something positive. The Warriors signed Jordan Poole to a four-year, $140 million contract extension and Andrew Wiggins to a four-year, $109 million contract extension. The payroll and luxury tax for the Warriors in the 2023-2024 season currently $483 million. I'm sure this is totally unrelated to Draymond Green wanting a new contract and punching one of the players who just got a new deal. Totally unrelated. The Miami Dolphins quarterback injury woes continue as their third starting quarterback left the game with an injury. Rookie Skylar Thompson got the start versus the Vikings before injuring his hand, forcing Teddy Bridgewater, who was the second string quarterback, but not cleared until late in the week into the game. Are we following all this? Of course, Tua Tungavailoa working through concussion protocol after he was controversially played on Thursday night a few weeks ago and took another vicious hit. The Carolina Panthers made waves on Sunday afternoon, not for anything they did on the field, but for interim head coach Steve Wilkes sending receiver Robbie Anderson to the locker room after he got into an argument with wide receiver coach Joe Daly. Uh, no one is bigger than the team, and I'm not going to uh, focus and put a lot of attention on one individual. Uh, we can talk about the game. We can talk about situations within the game. We can talk about the things we're going to do moving forward, but I'm not putting a lot of energy into one individual. All I'm saying is 
gladly put him on a plane, send him to Green Bay. The Packers would love to have him. The Yankees-Guardians ALDS series has not been for the faint of heart. Walk-offs, one-score games, and heart-in-your-throat moments, including a 4-2 final in Game 4 to push it to a Game 5. The Yankees get the win. Stacey Gazzulius from Locked On Yankees joins me now. And, and Stacey, this has been a gut-wrenching series for Yankees fans. If we had talked to Yankees fans uh, a night ago, they might have had very different feelings than they do right now. So heading into Game 5, what is your confidence level in this team moving forward? I feel better, obviously. Um, <laughs> you know, I was... Better I than was... planning a trip to Cancun, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I kind of had a feeling things were going to go okay today. I kind of woke up calm, which is un... It's not... That's not a thing for me during the playoffs. And I was feeling <laughs> kind of zen. But then, of course, during the game, not zen at all. Um, but I don't know. I I'm feeling okay. I'm not doom and gloom like I was after last night's loss or after Saturday night's loss. Well, you get the, the start from Garrett Cole, seven innings, just two earned, and and the bats do just enough. Is this and and they don't blow it at the end of the game. So I, I think I feel like we have to sort of backpedal a little bit. How did you feel about the handling of the bullpen in this game? Because I know a lot of Yankees fans and eh, maybe some Yankees players were not thrilled with how the bullpen was handled over the weekend. I was still a little concerned about the flipping of Clay Holmes and Wandy Peralta because usually Holmes is the closer and Peralta threw 27 pitches on Saturday and 16 pitches on Friday and he's being used a lot and because of all the games being bunched together, I mean, Boone doesn't really have a choice. I liked tonight. He didn't do too much. You know, um, thankfully, Cole didn't give him a reason to do too much. That's, you know, Cole lasting as long as he did made it so Boone really couldn't make any bullpen blunders. Thank goodness. Now, they still have to win game five. And luckily, a team like the Dodgers has taken a lot of pressure off the Yankees to be the most disappointing team this season um, because the, the Dodgers may well be the most disappointing team like of the last hundred years, statistically, in a lot of categories. But But for the Yankees... To you, what is at stake in this game? Because this was a season that for six months, basically, this was the favorite, at least in the American League. I would like to thank the Dodgers for doing what they did, because that's <laughs> a much bigger choke than the Yankees. This series has been very strange. You know, Cleveland has had a lot of luck on their side, a lot of weird bloops and plays that are happening. And they're not a bad team. They're fast. You know, they know how to run the bases. So when they do get those blue pits, they're running all over the place and the Yankees don't really know what to do with themselves when that happens. Um, so it wouldn't be a disaster if they lost because the Braves lost, the Dodgers lost, you know, basically the Yankees would just be the third in a line of teams that people expected to go farther in the playoffs. What do you make of the, the Guardians' swagger in this series. We saw the, the rocking of the baby, home run celebration. I mean, this is a young, vivacious team. And, and the Yankees, you know, and, and they have traditionally been a little bit more buttoned up. That's been the Yankee way for a long time. But this is a contrast of styles in a lot of ways. Would you like to see them maybe bring a little bit of that fire to a game five in a must-win situation? 
Yes, I just don't want the Yankees to celebrate prematurely because we've seen them do that and mm. have teams come back on them and win games. It happened in 2021 against Houston. They were winning a game 7-2 and they ended up losing <laughs> after they were running around the bases and crowing. So, um, you know, yes, I like to see slack, swagger and I would like the Yankees to have more swagger because we don't get to see that more often. Um, and I don't mind Cleveland. I mean, they're excited. People were counting them out. And, you know, if they make it past the Yankees, sky's the limit for them. Stay up to date all postseason on the New York Yankees by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Yankees podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, the Tennessee Volunteers beat the Alabama Crimson Tide for the first time since 2006. And uh, if you know where they are, they're looking for their goalposts too. We got to check that out. Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all of your gambling needs. Tonight's Monday night football game is between division rivals. The Los Angeles Chargers host the Denver Broncos. Bet Online has the Chargers four and a half point favorites. The over-under for the game set at 45 and a half. Bet Online is where the game starts. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It was an instant classic. Tennessee takes down number three, Alabama. The number six, Volunteers, 52 Alabama 49 in a thriller. Joining me now from Locked On Vols, Eric Kane. And, and Eric, this is a, a Volunteers team that has really turned things around in a remarkable way over, I don't know, what, two, three years? I mean, if, if we had told you three years ago that they would be in this position now, you probably would have said, um, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> so how have they turned this program around it's actually been 17 months uh in january of 2021 uh some dark times obviously here on tennessee with the previous staff you know under investigation being you know fired for cause and trying to find a coach trying to find an athletic director and in comes in josh heupel and you know you kind of start this process again tennessee fans have been used to this process it's happened what three four times since philip former uh, you know retired and um you know what's what's different about josh heupel right well I think you saw in year one that it's going to be fast, the tempo, the offense. It also helps when you got a quarterback. And so those two things, mm. this this head coach, his philosophy, the ability to coach up and to lead a guy like Hendon Hooker, who is playing uh, as, as good or better than anybody else in the country, uh, it's been phenomenal. So uh, Tennessee, if you can score, you can win a lot of football games now in 2022 college football, and Tennessee can score. And that's kind of how they, that's how they beat Florida. That's how they beat Alabama, obviously had to outscore them and uh, put a lot of points up against LSU a week ago. So a uh, quarterback play, offense, head coach-minded. Uh, this team takes after their head coach, and it's been a fun ride so far. You mentioned Hendon Hooker. Let's not forget Jalen Wyatt. Six catches, five touchdowns for 207 yards. An absolute unbelievable performance in this one. And, and I think, to your point about the, the turnover, this is a program right now that doesn't have the full complement of recruits with this coach. 
Like there's still cycles to go here. And this is the kind of win that can go a long way when you're trying to recruit in the SEC. Oh, no doubt. And there were, uh, you know, there were recruits that were on campus and were sitting in the stands and saw that finish and and saw and help them carry the goalposts. Yeah, <laughs> jump out of the stands and rush the field, take down the goalposts. I think some of those recruits that were on visits might have been jumping on the field as well. I mean, you know, what, what an atmosphere! You can't get any better than that if you're trying to recruit a quality of player here to Tennessee and. And also this too, it, in that offseason from 2020 into 2021, you know, all, you know, a ton of Tennessee's better players uh, left it for the transfer portal. They said, Hey, I'm not going to stick around. Right. I want to go see what, what else is good for me. This is kind of a bad situation here. And some, you know, credit those players who stayed and who toughed it out. And now they're kind of reaping those, those benefits there. But uh, from a roster standpoint, it's gotten better over the, over the year and a half or so. It's still not where it needs to be, uh, but it's good enough obviously. And, uh, you know, you're good enough. You get coached up the right way. And again, when you have a quarterback and playmakers like Jalen Hyatt's, as you pointed out, you can go win football games like this. Now you were at this game. You mentioned the atmosphere again, not that long ago where saw a lot, plenty of empty seats at the stadium. What, what was it like to be there for this moment with the understanding that there has been a lot of turnover here since Philip Fulmer left town? Yeah, um, Tennessee is such a beautiful facility. Neyland Stadium is one of the best places ever to watch a college football game. I truly believe that. I know I cover Tennessee, but it's it's awesome. One thing about it is it's not an open-air press box, and I hate that. Um, but in my five years of being in that press box and covering this team, uh, not until Saturday could I say that I felt the stadium shake. Um, could I actually hear consistently the roar of the crowd? You could hear it every now and again, but I heard it a lot on Saturday. We just don't get to feel or hear that type of stuff being in the press box, but Saturday it was different. Uh, the credit those fans. And obviously you stay there till the end, saw the game winning kicks, saw everybody rush the field. But you know, when you're on that field post game and you're, you know, crowded around everybody else smoking cigars, you know, this is a cigar game and you look up and you look in the top deck and there's still people there 30 minutes, 40 minutes after the game. Um, this fan base just wants a winner. So hungry for a winner and you see a little bit of it in basketball. Saw it a little bit with Tennessee baseball this past year and, la- and two years ago going to the World Series. You're just waiting on football to come around, and, and it's here. So uh, it's been a whole lot of fun. That atmosphere was incredible. It was great for the Florida game a couple weeks ago. It was really good for the Ole Miss game last year. Uh, but this is obviously as good as it gets. And uh, you see the passion. Uh, no goalposts. It's in the Tennessee River somewhere. It was a whole lot of fun. And finally, the Arizona Cardinals offense is struggling, only scoring three points against an underwhelming Seattle Seahawks defense. The worst part about these struggles, Kyler Murray was really hoping his stats would look good enough so he could play poorly once the new Call of Duty comes out. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up on tomorrow's show, could Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos get their offense in a rhythm against the Chargers? So at least until tomorrow... Stay locked on sports today. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.